Look, our brains are great at lots of things, but remembering passwords is not one of them, especially not secure passwords. Let's free our brains from being password managers and get something way better. 1Password. One 1Password one keeps everything private and in sync across multiple devices. 1Password can't see the passwords or sensitive information you store in 1Password, so they can't use it, share it, or sell it, and neither can anyone else. I've been using 1Password for about 10 years now, and it's made my life so much easier, especially using it with Touch ID and Face ID. It's the first thing I install on any new phone, computer, or tablet I'm using for myself or my family. And all you have to remember is one strong account password that protects everything else your logins, your credit cards, secure notes, or the office Wi-Fi password. And I love that something I use to save me so many hours, I can't even count them all, is something you can try too. Right now, my listeners get a free two-week trial at onepassword.com slash beyond for your growing business. That's two free weeks at onepassword.com slash beyond. Don't let security slow your business down. Go to onepassword.com slash beyond. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. I'm your host, Eric Fisher, and this is the show where I talk to the people behind the productivity. This week, I'm excited to share with you a conversation that I had with Melanie Penna. She has the role of being the head of CX integration at Comcast. Now, that may be complicated sounding, but in essence, what we're talking about in this conversation is change, strategy, workflows, And not just the existing ones, but setting up an organization to be able to support changes, to identify known issues or gaps in your processes. And that by identifying those issues that demotivate your employees or keep them from having success and keep the business from having success, you can identify and eliminate those issues that are blocking progress. We also talk about how they do huddles to talk about these customer pain points, and they call them elevations, these things that get elevated up to a point where they get discussed, buy in on that change, and ideally a fix is found. So if you're like me and you enjoy entering into the problem-solving stage of productivity, the identifying where something is wrong or could be better, seeing how it's blocking the potential for future progress, and coming up with a fix for that, I think you're going to really enjoy this conversation with Melanie Penna. Well, this week, it is my privilege to welcome to the show Melanie Penna. Melanie, welcome to the show. Thank you. So my friend, Jay Bear, said, you know who you need to have on the show is Melanie, because she's doing some amazing stuff. And he started to describe what you were doing. And I said, you know what? This fits the show because you're being an example of thinking outside the box, tackling these ever-changing answers to the questions of what are the needs we need to meet right now and how we can meet them. In other words, you're shuffling priorities and figuring out what the next tasks are and then executing on that. So kudos. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's not easy work, especially so, in a company that's used to working a particular way. So it, yes. it is a challenge. How did you get interested in this? Like how what's kind of your backstory here? And then let's get up to what your what your current role is and what you're doing. Sure. 
So I am 24 years now with Comcast, uh, 22 of those years in HR. So I grew up with the company. I think when I started, there were about 6,000 employees nationwide. Um, we're a little larger now. We're, we're closer to about 100,000 um, in the cable division and held a number of roles in HR um, through the years. And most recently led our HR operations team, which was a group of about 200 employees in our HR shared services, comp administration, and HR technology teams. And it was in that role that I was partnered with Charlie Heron, who had then been named uh, the head of customer transformation coming out of our product team. And a lot of the work that he was trying to organize in the customer transformation space relative to employees touched my world in HR. So I was his partner. And about two years into that role for him, he came to me realizing that he had completely under-indexed on the importance of employees in customer transformation. And he asked if I would leave my role in HR join uh, the customer experience team and drive change, largely focused on what that meant for our employees as a catalyst for our broader transformation efforts. So where you're at right now, what specifically is the name of your role and what does that look like now? Right. So, and it's changed a couple of times because this is some, this is a new role. You know, this isn't an HR role. So I had to be very cautious that how we titled this um, didn't, didn't mislead people that this was kind of an, a role that still sat within the HR COE um, in some fashion. So uh, my current title, um, and I think it's the one that will stick and it makes the most sense with the work that I'm doing is CX, so customer transformation, integration, and adoption. So I largely, um, I'm responsible for making sure that a lot of the changes that we are making relative to policies, processes, tools, um, even the way with which we work are actually adopted through the organization, you know, because it's one thing to get that work done, check a box, say it, it's been completed. It's another to get the workforce to actually embrace new ways of doing things, adhere to new policies and processes, because change is hard. And so my team really does focus on how do we set the organization up to support change, um, minimize the rework. Um, as we're making change happen and then ensure that it's sustainable. For a lot of people out there, some of the, let's just put it a, the, the simplest possible way, corporate jargon <laughs> uh, is, is, can be somewhat difficult to understand if they're not already you know well-versed in it. So one of the things that some people may not understand is what an NPS implementation is. Would you mind explaining that briefly? Well, so net, NPS is net promoter system, and it's, um, it's a system that a lot of companies leverage to understand how their customers feel about them, how their employees feel about them. Um, are they actually making improvements um, that affect the customer? And there's ways of measuring that through the, survey, uh, the surveys that accompany that system. For us, um, our net promoter system involves obviously surveys that come through a score that we get from our customers and our employees, but it also involves huddles. And these are meetings that take place um, with our employees and members of management to talk about customer pain points. What are we tackling? What are we tackling both that impact customer? What are we tackling that impact our employees? How can we get better? What are known issues or gaps in our own local systems, tools, processes? Those are those are intended to be meetings where that kind of um, dialogue takes place. 
Uh, we also have coming out of those meetings and out of a lot of our surveys, um, the concept of elevations. So what systemically is showing up as a barrier to progress in improving our customer experience? Um, we have a mechanism and a way of capturing what those issues are and then prioritizing those and, you know, kind of breaking into teams to solution those to, in fact, make progress on what we know the known pain points are. And it, it's a way of holding ourselves accountable by having an elevations tracker and having teams assigned and having a routine and coming back together as a team to understand where we are in statusing against solutions on those elevations. Um, all of that comprises the net promoter system that kind of lives and breathes here at Comcast. I find this fascinating because, you know, as a customer of many different services, the the fact that a brand is actually interested in knowing what my pain points are with them and then that they even have a system to uh, not only, you know, receive those, but organize those, prioritize those, execute on fixing those, uh, you know, that somebody's thinking about any and all of this is encouraging to me <laughs> for sure. And, and, and the beauty is, and I think this is where Charlie was reflective two years into his role, a lot of the suggestions, a lot of the known pain points don't always come from our customers. They actually come from employees. And um, I think the beauty is, you know, we know what they are because they're sharing in, in those huddle meetings. They're sharing in routine surveys that we do what the pain points are. And, and oftentimes they have solutions um, to suggest to accompany them. And so our own employees are real assets in, in the system. And it's how you tap into them, leverage them, extract, you know, the, the good suggestions that they have and then operationalize them. Yes. Well, and, and I've been in that position of being somebody who's on the the very, you know, this is a very warlike metaphor, but on the front lines, it's like we're at war with our with our customers when we put it that way, when, when we describe the front line uh, employees, the ones that touch the employees. I mean, and, and a lot of employees do, but these are the ones that are, you know, directly, rev, you know, related to I'm doing customer care or I'm the person who's handling sales or I'm the person who's literally running a cashier register, you know, those different types of things. Having been in some of those positions different in different organizations, I can say that, yes, those are the employees who see where things are broken, sometimes often the most because they're the ones where, I mean, you know, the, the old picture of the grinding of the gears, they're the ones who feel that. That's right. So That's right. they're on the receiving end of the dialogue, you know, and they see the opportunity too. So it's not even known pain points, but what could we be doing better? How could we make an experience a moment that matters for our customer? And what would it take to do that? I mean, these folks live it every day. So um, they're, they're an invaluable resource as we, we continue on our journey. So I want to come to this this concept of elevations a bit, but I want to continue down real quick here. This idea that you are recognizing that employees are basically your best asset. How did you come to that revelation? Hopefully it doesn't need to be that big of a revelation because, come on, it, it's it's kind of obvious like we've basically been stating here. But what was the beginning process and and kind of where have you taken that? I think for me, because I've been here so long too, um, you know, so much of our focus in the early year, year and a half of Charlie taking on this new role. And as we built a team focused on customer transformation was that 
you know, once you identified with the customer pain points or that, that was one thing. But if you really went to the root cause of that pain point and you followed that path, it led you to pain points that lived in the employee ecosystem. And I think we were short-sighted in the beginning when we stood up the function that, you know, oh, these are just simple things that we can change for our customers and then, you know, everything will get better. And what we realized is that there, there's a Venn diagram in the intersection here that the pain that ultimately impacts a customer starts with probably a process or a policy that's in place for our employees where we put our employees in a situation where they can't be successful. No matter how much we care for what we think is the ultimate issue, when you really dial back from a root cause perspective, something's happening in the employee ecosystem that's driving it. And I think when Charlie realized, wow, the more I see of this, the more I realize that there are certain things that we're asking our employees to do that they're not equipped to do or they can't do because we don't have tool sets that we're giving them that enable that capability, that, that he realized that to fix the customer experience, you really had to fix the employee experience and you had to remove the barriers that get in the way of their success. You had to start having a dialogue with your own employees um, that was based on trust, that was based on recognizing that they understand and are are willing and capable of producing success for a customer, but something's holding them back and really getting at the heart of what that is. If at up until that point, the employees maybe don't feel like they're being trusted or, you know, they, they may see the things that are broken and just assume, well, it's always going to be broken. How do you start to, one, give them hope and then two, encourage them that they are trusted and that they can trust you and they can start to uh, work within this framework of elevations? Yeah, that, that's a great question because that's the journey we've been on. I mean, when we launched NPS, the Net Promoter System, and that we were moving to this model, you know, our own employees were skeptical. You know, is this just something, you know, that we're talking about? Are we really serious about this? Are we, you know, they question huddles. You know, are these just additional meetings? What's really going to come of a huddle conversation? They question elevations. Um, it took us a while to gain traction with people really believing that this system that we were putting in place and the accountabilities that we were wrapping around it were really going to be taken seriously. And it took a little while. I mean, early on, a lot of the elevations that were coming through, you know, people doubted, are we serious about fixing some of these things? And I think as time went on and they saw local elevations being um, solutioned, which a lot of our elevations are local and can be solutioned in the local markets, that started to gain a little bit of interest and trust. And I think the proof point has been when some of our more complicated elevations that are more systemic, that span multiple functions within the company that are enterprise-wide in their impact, when they started to see movement on those, we started to gain some believers that we're serious, that we're holding ourselves accountable, we're reporting out to you progress, even if we can't make any this year. We're going to tell you that. We're going to tell you why. That level of transparency coupled with progress, even iterative progress, um, has been, I think, the differentiator. And where employees are starting to recognize that it's a different company, that we're leaning in differently, and that um, their voice matters. You know, now, in the early days, we had encouraged people to submit elevations and remind them. We have no shortage of elevations now. <laughs> so, <laughs> so they now get um, that 
you know, these things are being looked at to the degree more watchers of a particular elevation sign into the tool and sign themselves up as a watcher. They know that that elevation grows in prioritization and moves up. Um, so there's, it's been a journey, but I will tell you slowly but surely, they're starting to see the important role that they play in voicing issues and then in staying on you know, their leadership teams and on those of us here in the CX function to stay focused on, on those issues. I think a lot of people out there have had this experience of, hey, we're, you know, somebody from the top or some kind of course correction is going to be made and it's talked about and talked about and talked about. And, and you get to the point where it's kind of, a, OK, that's fine, but I'll wait and see. You know, mm-hmm. as one of those frontline employees, I think what I'm hearing you say is the only way that you got your workforce on board was not to just keep saying we're going to be doing this for you and with you is that by actually doing it, they saw that it was true that that mutual trust was gained. Oh, absolutely. And and that's why when we have something that's a large, let's say a pretty complicated long-tailed elevation that's being solutioned, when when something finally gets resolved and we actually have um, worked components of an elevation that's that complex, we, we go out pretty loudly with what that solution is and how long it took and, you know, where it's going next so that people get that some of these things aren't easy, um, require a degree of investment, require a different prioritization among multiple functions. Um, but for us to get to the end and have a solution come out, um, we, we, we go out pretty loud and proud with what that, with what that is. So then employees recognize that it mattered. It mattered and, you know, stick with us. But you're right. It's in the work that gets done. It's not in talking about it. It's in the doing. Still searching for a great candidate for your company? Don't search. Just match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch that busy work. Instead, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. I wish I had Indeed when I was in the hiring process in roles in the past because it is a slow, arduous headache of a process to find the right people, or at least it used to be, join more than three 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to find and hire great talent fast. In fact, in the minute I've been talking to you, 23 hires were made on Indeed according to Indeed data worldwide. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash to-do list. Just go to indeed.com slash to-do list right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash to-do list. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's something that works so well, it basically feels like magic. For me, I'm thinking air conditioning, noise-canceling headphones, definitely. Meeting-free Fridays. What about selling with Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your own shop stage to the first real store stage, you don't have to just sell your own stuff anymore. With Shopify Collective, you can curate products to sell from brands you love and give your customers more variety and your business more sales. Shopify is your no excuses business partner. Sell without needing to code or design. Just bring your best ideas and Shopify will help you open up shop. Shopify also helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting 
during checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash beyond. Again, go to shopify.com slash beyond now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash beyond. Okay, we've mentioned uh, this word elevation a number of times now. I'd love for uh, you to explain exactly what that concept is and what that means, like what the workflow for elevations looks like to you. So an elevation can be anything. It can be, well, not anything. It's not typically a suggestion box. Let's put it that way. So, you know, employees have suggestions about a lot of things, but what we want in terms of our elevations are What's getting in the way of your success? What's getting in the way of an exceptional customer experience? What are those things that are broken? And you know it because you touch it every day and it's a pain point for you every day. You have a manual workaround for it every day. What are those demotivators even for you and for um, your peers? What are those? And we capture those. And and we've got tools where we capture um, those and they get submitted and they get tracked. And they're in an automated tool where teams that are local, um, look at those elevations and parse them out and basically kind of categorize, you know, who's, get, who's on point for that elevation, you know, um, whose responsibility would that fall in. And then teams get created to solution. And like I said, the majority of our elevations are solved for locally. But for the ones that are, are probably our most complex, like I said, um, those actually surface to the top. And, and again, these are things that create a prohibitive experience there's a severity attached to it. The number of customers that are impacted, employees impacted by it get taken into consideration. And then a team here that gathers um, monthly at our elevations council assesses what are the elevations that bubble to the top when you layer on that criteria. Um, again, based on what the nature of the elevation is, it gets assigned a, a leader or a sponsor who then is responsible for taking it back and pulling it together a team, could be a cross-functional team, cross-geographical team, to solution it or to triage it to a point where we know we can or we can't or it's a, it's a not if but when um, solution coming down the pike. And all of this gets tracked and is very visible um, in our tools for any of our elevation watchers to see progress. And at any point, an employee can get in the tool and ask, How's this coming along? And whoever owns that elevation gets that notification and is is supposed to respond. It's meant to kind of put a level of transparency around um, the work that's happening around the elevations. And um, I think that's also what's been a proof point for our uh, for our employees. We also have SLAs. So, you know, we have an expected uh, solution. Um, criteria, you know, these things can't live on forever without some disposition, whether we're going to do them, not do them, how long is it going to take? So there's an expectation from our employees that I'm at least going to know if this is getting solved. I'll have some sense for when, and if it's not going to be solved, I'll know why it's not going to be solved. And prior to the NPS system being in place where we had a lot of these uh, mechanisms in place, this level of transparency across a company of about 100 thousand employees didn't exist. I have to imagine that there's there's some interesting data that comes out of that when you've got these councils going and they they see like hey, we taught, you know, a, a month ago we had these as some of the the outlying or uh, I should say outstanding elevations that came through and 
now this month, when we've met again, there have been either the exact same ones or similar ones or ones that aren't connected at all. But now you see uh, potentially a connection to that. Uh, mm-hmm. In other words, some some surprising um, connective tissue between the, the, the elevations. That's right. That's right. I think the most satisfying Elevation Council meetings I've been to are when the whole the list of 25, because we have a top 25 list, when you go the following month and you've got brand new elevations that have surfaced because some on the top 25 list have now peeled off and you see that movement, you know, and then in that meeting where we're asking and challenging each other, can we move faster on that? Why not? You know, if I made a resource available, could I lend that to your team to keep that moving? And this has been on the elevations list forever. We need to get this one done. There's kind of a natural and organic pressure that we put on ourselves around tackling these these really complex um, issues, not just because employees are watching, but because we now know that we can make this work. We now know we have cross-collaborative teams in place that can actually deliver solutions, let's just do it. And so the better we get at this, the more quickly I think we're solutioning. And it's it's a huge proof point to our team, to mates. I love that you're using the words uh, cross-collaborative because for me, one of the things that I've seen in experience that has held up any sort of customer experience fix happening has been silos. And mm-hmm. so I imagine that at this council, you've got all these different uh, representatives from potentially different departments so that you can cut through red tape. That's right. Because typically a pain point for a customer is one the customer is experiencing, whether they go into a store, whether they call in and talk to one of our care agents or, you know, interact with a technician in their home. You know, a lot of these things, you know, are channel agnostic. I say channel, you know, those three channels, if you will. Um, these are pain points that cross the employee um, experience, um, of folks that, that their roles live in those channels and for the customer who experiences us in any number of ways. To make this like even more real to uh, the listener or more practical and help them kind of ground this, are you able to give any kind of maybe specific elevation or group of elevations that then came through the process and what the fix was that came out the other end? Yeah. In fact, one, actually two I was working on and they're more employee facing, but um, there is a connect. and a connection to the customer. So one is active right now and my team is solutioning right now. And that is our employees um, have been expressing for years interest in being part of product trials. And as a byproduct of that, they've also shared with us through the elevations process that they don't know where to go when they themselves being a customer go home and they see that something's wrong and not working right with our product. You know, if, if you happen to be in a situation where you know somebody in our product team or, you know, a friend of a friend who can get in touch with somebody, that's one thing. But with a company our size, you know, where can we have a place where everybody can go if there's a systemic problem that needs to be raised to the attention of a product team, let's say here in Philadelphia, that it gets triaged very quickly and dealt with very quickly so that it minimizes customer impact. So my team is developing a site on our intranet that employees will be able to get to. I call it a see it, say it site where people can, you know, employees can go to and and basically say, I'm seeing something. I know it's not unique to my account, but this is a problem and somebody needs to know about it. I don't know who to direct it to. So here it is. Here's a screenshot of it. 
And my team will then take that and parse it to the appropriate owners so that we can hopefully and quickly triage it and, and resolve it. So that's, that's a very real elevation that is very close to closing out when we launch this site later this year. That is so cool. <laughs> I have to say, as being a, you know, again, as a customer, as an employee, uh, I can say that that speaks to both my experiences there of being like, oh gosh, this is not working again. And then not knowing where to start to even submit something, especially, right. uh, you know, internally can be a huge headache. So, so often people won't say anything or they'll just grumble and you're, you're giving them a channel to actually be proactive and submit something, which is great. Well, and, and part of this too is we want to set our employees up for success because let's play this out for a minute. You know, the employee goes home, recognizes there's something systemically wrong when they turn on their television and, and now they've got a place to report it. It gets triaged and solutioned. That makes them feel good because they've gotten ahead of customers calling into our call centers. Um, they've gotten ahead of a truck roll to somebody's home to fix the problem. It gives them confidence when they go to bar backyard barbecues and to parties where people interact with them that they've got a place to go if somebody's experiencing a difficulty in a product situation and it's systemic in nature. And it sets them up to be an advocate for our products. It sets them up to feel empowered to solution for our customers. I just think there are a whole host of you know, kind of downstream impacts that are all positive that put our employees in a situation of feeling really confident and successful in the interaction. With all the elevations that come in, what is the decision-making process as to which ones get addressed first, which ones have more severity, et cetera, like urgency, priority, all that kind of stuff as it applies to as these come in? I mean, I imagine the council has something to do with that. But again, with a month in between those meetings, um, I'm curious what the workflow looks like in terms of prioritizing the elevations. Right. So, I mean, there is a criteria that we apply. Um, and so for a lot of, I mean, it starts with what is, what is, creating a prohibitive experience, a really um, difficult customer experience, meaning the customer is forced to, you know, call into the call center, report a problem, like, you know, wait to have that agent triage. Perhaps we have to roll um, a technician to their home. And so they have to take off of work and actually like wait and be there and address the fix you know, are there things in our customer journey um, that we know are causing a customer to have to interact with us in those ways? Um, how many how many of our customers are impacted by that very same problem so that our investment in that is going to make sense um, and where we actually then can see that a solution lives or is a partial solution already lives on a roadmap and is already being worked? Those are things that we might move to the top in particular because just of the element of pain associated with it. You know, there are other impact, you know, other impacting criteria. Um, how many employees are impacted by this? And when we solution for it, it makes their lives easier, you know, interacting with the customer. So you kind of layer on the scope, the severity of the pain, you know, what is possible in terms of investment today, right now, um, is there a sequencing of things that have to happen ahead of our solutioning of this um, that we're going to have to wait on this particular elevation because other things ahead of it need to get done in order for us to address it? Those are That's kind of the dialogue that takes place leading into the monthly meetings. 
so that we can have a rationalization um, in the meeting itself if we need to trade off priorities. But you can see, you know, by the time it bubbles up to a national conversation about an elevation that's being solutioned across national teams, it's pretty big. It's pretty complex. It requires probably a multi-year investment, and it's a matter of sequencing and staging and getting the teams in place to address it. How do you know it's working? <laughs> like, what does the, you know, you've got outcomes that are coming through on the back end. In some places, you'd, you'd consider, oh, well, we're now getting less elevations. So that must mean things are going pretty well. But I imagine there's probably still a steady stream of elevations. So is it a customer experience thing? The customers, are they reporting back that they're having, um, you know, a better experience? Is the retention higher? What kind of success mark are you looking at here? So I think it's a, a few things. First of all, we're not getting um, fewer elevations. I actually think <laughs> now that, that we've proven that the system works, we're now getting to the hard stuff. Maybe the stuff that people were afraid to articulate as a, articulate as a pain point is starting to really come forward. And, and in part, it's because for the first few years, you know, some of the elevations were really local, really simple fixes. And we've kind of bulldoze through those. Now we're getting to the really gnarly, complicated things, and there's no shortage of those either. And now people feel emboldened to share what those things are and to lean in and um, and watch and hold accountable um, the groups that are working those elevations. So that, in, in my mind, is proof that it works, that we're now starting to get to the heart of what we know we need to address. And it's... Um, it's refreshing that employees are, are feeling like their voice in that space is, is being counted. We do look at a lot of things, right? So one proof point um, that the system is working is that, um, you know, our customers are telling us that we're getting better. They're telling us in verbatims. They're telling us on the NPS surveys that they're filling out. Our scores have improved. So you know that there's less pain in the system for them. So the things that we're solutioning are making a difference. We're hearing from our employees in employee NPS surveys where they're telling us from the standpoint of how they feel about the workplace, um, from a motivation perspective, how they feel about product. Those scores inform us, let us know how we're doing and together with the verbatims employees give us about is their life getting easier, is the dialogue with the customer getting better. Um, so we, we get that information as well. Um, so there are a whole host of Things that we look at, in addition to, you know, obviously company metrics around, you know, how many calls do we get? You know, how many technicians do we need to send to the home? Fewer calls, fewer technicians going to the home, fewer issues there are. Um, That's a good thing. And so, you know, you look at that in totality and we know that it's been slow but steady progress and, uh, and we're encouraged by that. I didn't even consider the fact that addressing some of the initial issues was going to clean those out. But then once those are cleaned out of the way, you get to some of the harder stuff that's bigger and, you know, more challenging to tackle, but you get to that. So it's, you know, definitely not less elevations. In fact, maybe bigger and harder elevations to, to deal with. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Exactly right. So, well, Melanie, it, I mean, it's been great talking with you. I hope that as people have been listening, they've been able to kind of see the correlation here. You're almost acting out a a parable or something along those lines when it comes to doing the work to figure out what the work is first and then executing well on that work, if that makes sense. No, it does. It does. And it's an exciting journey. I'm 
I'm just glad we could share our story. Yeah, me too. It's been really cool to hear how this is working out, and uh, I want to stay on top of it. So uh, let's keep in touch. I want to continue to to see where the pulse is uh, with your story moving forward. And thanks again for being here. That's great. I'd be happy to connect in the future. Thanks, Eric. It's been a, been a pleasure. Well, that's another podcast crossed off your podcast listening to-do list. I hope that you, if you're like me, enjoyed talking and thinking about problem solving, strategy, collaboration, breaking down those silos. And again, it doesn't matter what size your business or company or if you're just a cog in the wheel or a cog in the machine, getting a new and even a renewed perspective on this can help you to identify those issues that are demotivating you wherever you are in your workplace from top to bottom. If you enjoyed this conversation and you know of somebody else who needs to hear it, I would love for you to share this episode with them. Whatever your favorite podcast player of choice is, there's a share button there somewhere. Hit that and send this to them or go over to the show notes for this episode by going to beyond the to-do list.com slash 288. And there you'll be able to share it to them directly or on desktop. Thanks for sharing this episode and thanks for listening. And I will see you next episode. Thanks for listening to the end. If you're looking for a show to start helping you apply these productivity lessons on your business, check out Millionaire University. It's real lessons from real entrepreneurs teaching you what you need to know to improve your business or start one if you've been putting it off. It covers all aspects of business from starting, marketing, growing, managing, and everything in between, wearing all the hats. And as an added bonus, I am conducting a number of those conversations, those interviews, so you'll fit right in. Again, that's Millionaire University. Just search for it in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this podcast.